Ramayan of Valmiki, translated by Ralph T. S. Griffith, M.A. Cantos 3 to 7 of Book 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Present recording is by Raju from Burleson, Texas, United States. Ramina 45 at hotmail.com. Canto 3. The Argument. The hermit thus with watchful heed received the poem's pregnancy and looked with eager thought around if fuller knowledge might be found. His lips with water first bedewed, he sat in reverent attitude. On holy grass the points all bend together toward the Orient, and thus in meditation he entered the path of Pussy. Then clearly through his virtuous might all lay discovered to his sight. Whatever befell through all their life, Rama his brother and his wife, and Dasaratha and each need, at every time in every scene, his people too, of every sort, the nobles of his princely court. Whatever was said, whatever decreed, each time they sat, each plan and deed, for holy thought and fervent right had so refined his keener sight, that by his sanctity his view, the present, past, and future knew. And he with mental eye could grasp, like fruit within his fingers clasp, the life of Rama, great and good, roaming with Sita in the wood. He told with secret piercing eyes the tale of Rama's high emprise. Each listening ear that shall entice a sea of pearls of highest price. Thus good Valmiki, sage divine, rehearsed the tale of Raghu's line. As Narad, heavenly saint before, had traced the story's outline over. He sang of Rama's princely birth, his kindness and heroic worth, his love for all his patient youth, his gentleness and constant truth and many a tale of legend old by holy Vishwamitra told. How Janak's child he wooed and won, hard broke the bow that bent to none. How he with every virtue fraught, his namesake Rama met and fought. The choice of Rama for the throne, the malice by Kalsei shown, whose evil counsel marred the plan, and drove him forth a banished man. How the king grieved and groaned and cried, and swooned away and pining died. The subjects wove and thus bereft, and how the following crowds he left. With Guha talked and firmly stern, ordered his driver to return. How Ganga's farther shore he gained, by Bharadwaja entertained. By whose advice he journeyed still, and came to Chitraputa's hill. How there he dwelt and built a court, how Bharat journeyed to the spot. His earnest supplication made, drink offerings to their father paid. The sandals given by Rama's hand as emblems of his right to stand. How from his presence Bharat went and years in Nandigrama spent. How Rama entered Dandakwood and in Sutikna's presence stood. The favor Anasuya showed, the wondrous balsam she bestowed. How Sarabanga's dwelling place they sought, saw Indra face to face. The meeting with Agastya gained, a heavenly bow from him obtained. How Rama with Virada met. Their home in Panchavata set. How Surpanagal underwent the mockery and disfigurement. Of Trigra and Kara's fall, of Ravan roused at vengeance call. Marisha doomed without escape, the fair Videhan ladies raped. How Rama wept and raved in vain, and how the vulture king was slain. How Rama fierce Kabandra slew, then to the side of Pompard rule. Met Hanuman and her whose vows were kept beneath the greenwood boughs. 
how Raghu's son, the lofty soul, on Pampa's bank left uncontrolled. Then journeyed Rishyamu to reach, and of Sugriva then had speech. The friendship made which both had sought, how Bali and Sugriva fought, how Bali in the strife was slain, and how Sugriva came to reign. The treaty Tara's wild lament, the rainy nights in watching spent, the wrath of Raghu's lion's son, the gathering of the hosts in one, the sending of the spies about, and all the regions pointed out, the ring by Rama's hand bestowed, the cave wherein the bear abode. The fast proposed their lives to end, Sampati gained to be their friend. The scaling of the hill the leap, of Hanuman's across the deep, ocean's command that bade them seek, Mainaka of the lofty peak, the death of Sinhika the sight, of Lanka with her palace bright, how Hanuman stole in at eve, his plan the giants to deceive, how through the square he made his way to chambers where the women lay. Within the Ashoka garden came, and there found Rama's captive dame. His colloquy with her he sought, and giving of the ring he brought. How Sita gave a gem overjoyed, how Hanuman the grove destroyed, how giantesses trembling fled, and servant friends were smitten dead, how Hanuman was seized, they arrived, when Lanka blazed with hostile fire. He sleep across the sea once more, the eating of the honey stir, how Rama he consoled and how he showed the gem from Sita's brow. With ocean Rama's interview, the bridge that Nala over it threw, the crossing and the sitting down at night round Lanka's royal town, the treaty with Vibhishan made, the plan for Ravan slaughter laid, how Kumbhagarna in his pride and Meganada fought and died, how Ravan in the fight was slain, and captive Sita brought again. Vibhishan set upon the throne, the flying chariot pushpak shone. How Brahma and the gods appeared, and Sita's doubted honor cleared. How in the flying car they rode, to Bharadwaja's cabin abode. The wind god's son sent on afar, how Bharat met the flying car. How Rama then was king ordained, the legions their discharge obtained. How Rama cast his queen away, how grew the people's love each day? Thus did the saint Valmiki tell whatever in Rama's life befell, and in the closing verse all that it took come will once before. End of Canto 3 Canto 4 The Rhapsodies When to the end the tale was brought, rose in the sage's mind the thought, Now who throughout this earth will go, and tell it forth that all may know? As thus he mused with anxious breast, Behold, in hermit's remain dressed, Kusa and Lava came to greet, their master and embrace his feet. The twins he saw, that princely pair, sweet-voiced would dwell beside him there. None for the task could be more fit, for skilled were they in holy writ, and so the great Rama in fraud, with lore divine to them he taught. The lay whose verses sweet and clear, take with delight the listening ear that tell of Sita's noble life, and Ravan's fall in battle strife. Great joy to all who hear they bring, sweet to recite and sweet to sing. For music sevenfold notes are there, and triple measure wrought with care, with melody and tone and time, and flavors that enhance the rhyme. Heroic might has ample place, and loathing of the false and base. With anger, mirth, and terror blent, with tenderness, surprise, content. When half the hermits grace to gain, and half because they loved the strain, the youth within their hearts had stored the poem that his lips outpoured. 
Valmiki kissed them on the head, as at his feet they bowed and said, Recite ye this heroic song, in tranquil shades where sages throng. Recite it where the good resort, in lowly home and royal court. The hermit sees the tuneful pair, like heavenly minstrel sweet and fair. In music's arts divinely skilled, their saintly master's word fulfilled. Like Rama's self for whom they came, they shared their size in face and frame. As though from some fair sculptured stone, two self-same images had grown. Super times the pair rose up to sing, surrounded by a holy ring. Where seated on the grass bad man, full many a musing anchoret. The tears bedimmed those gentle eyes, as transport took them and surprise. And as they listened, every one cried in delight, Well done, well done. Those sages versed in holy lore, praised the sweet minstrels more and more, and wondered at the singer's skill, and the board's verses sweeter still, which laid so clear before the eye the glorious deeds of the days gone by. Thus by the virtues hermits praised, inspirited their voice they raised. Pleased with the song this holy man would give the youths a water can, one gave a fair ascetic dress, or sweet fruit from the wilderness. One saint a black deer's hide would bring, one a sacrificial string, one a clay pitcher from his hoard, and one a twisted manja card. And in his joy an axe would find, one braid their plaited locks to bind. One gave a sacrificial cup, one rope to tie their faggots up, while fuel at their feet was laid, or hermit's tool of fig tree made. All gave, or if they gave not, none, forget at least the benison. Some saints delighted with their lays, would promise health and length of days. Others with surest words would add, some wound to make their spirit glad. In such degree of honor then, that song was held by holy men. That living song which life can give, by which shall many a minstrel live. In seat of kings in crowded hall, they sang the poem prized of all. And Rama chanced to hear their lay, while he the votive steed would slay, and sent fit messengers to bring the minstrel pair before the king. They came and found the monarch high, enthroned in gold his brothers nigh, while many a minster below and noble sate in lengthened row. The youthful pair, a while he viewed, graceful in modest attitude, and then in words like these addressed his brother Lakshman and the rest. Come, listen to the wondrous strain recited by these godlike twine. Sweet singers of the story fraught with melody and lofty thought. The pair with voices sweet and strong rolled the full tide of noble song with tone and accent deftly blent to suit the changing argument. Mid that assembly loud and clear rang forth the play so sweet to hear that universal rapture stole through each man's frame and heart and soul. These minstrels blessed with every sign that marks a high and princely line. In holy shades who dwell, enshrined in St. Valmiki's lay, a monument to live for I, my deeds and song shall tell. Thus Rama spoke their breasts were fired, and the great tale, as if inspired, the youths began to sing, while every heart with transport swelled, and mute and rapt attention held the concourse and the king. End of Canto 4 Canto five, Ayodhya. Ikshwaku's sons from days of old were ever brave and mighty soul. The land their arms had made their own was bounded by the sea alone. 
their holy works have won them prize through countless years from Manu's days. Their ancient sire was Sagar he, whose high command dug out the sea, with sixty thousand sons to throng around him as he marched along. From them this glorious tale proceeds, the great Ramayan tells their deeds. This noble song whose lines contain lessons of duty, love and gain. Who too will now at length recite, while good men listen with delight. On Sarju's bank of ample size, the happy realm of Kosal lies. With fertile length of fair champagne, and flocks and herds and wealth of grain, they are famous in her old renown, Ayodhya stands the royal town, in bygone ages built and planned by sainted Manu's princely hand. Imperial seat, her walls extend, twelve measured leagues from end to end, and three in width from side to side, with square and palace beautified. Her gates at even distance stand, her ample roads are wisely planned. Right glorious is her royal street, where streams allay the dust and heat. On level ground in even row, her houses rise in goodly show. Terrace and palace, arch and gate, the queenly city decorate. High are her ramparts, strong and vast, by ways at even distance past. With circling moat, both deep and wide, and store of weapons fortified. King the Sadada lofty soul, the city guarded and controlled, with the towering salt trees, belted round, and many a grove and pressure ground. As royal Indra throned on high, rules his fair city in the sky. She seemed a painted city fair, with chessboard line and even square. And cool buffs shade the lovely lake, where weary men their thirst may slake. There glided chariots gleam and shine, and stately piles the gods enshrine. Their ghastly people ever throng to festival and dance and song. A mine is she of gems and sheen, the darling home of fortune's queen. With noblest sort of drink and meat, the fairest rice and golden wheat, and fragrant with chaplet scent, with holy oil and incense blent, with many an elephant and steed, and wings for drought and cars for speed, with envoys sent by distant kings, and merchants with their precious things, with banners over her roofs that play, and weapons that a hundred slay, all warlike engines framed by man, and every class of artisan, a city rich beyond compare, with bards and minstrels gathered there, and men and damsels who entrance, the soul with play and song and dance. In every street is heard the lute, the drum, the tabret, and the flute. The Veda chanted soft and low, the ringing of courtier's bow, with bands of godlike heroes killed, in every warlike weapon filled, and kept by warriors from the foe, as Nagas guard their home below. Their wisest Brahmans evermore, the flame of worship feed, and worst in all the Vedas lore, their lives of virtue lead. Truthful and pure, they freely give, they keep each sense control, and in their holy fervor live, like the great saints of old. End of Canto 5 Canto 6 The King There reigned a king of name revered, to country and to town endeared. Great Dasrada, good and sage, well read in scripture's holy page. Upon his kingdom's wheel intent, mighty and brave and provident, the pride of old Ikshwakur seed, for lofty thought and righteous deed, peer of the saints for virtue's fame, for force subdued and passions tame, a rival in his wealth untold, of Indra and the lord of gold, like Manu first of kings he reigned, and worthily his state maintained, for firm and just and ever true, 
love duty gain he kept in view, and ruled his city rich and free, like Indra's Amaravati, and worthy of so far a place, there dwelt a just and happy race, with troops of children blessed, each man contended sought no more, nor long with envy for the store, by richer friends possessed, for poverty was there unknown, and each man counted as his own, kind steeds and gold and grain, all dressed in ramian bright and clean, and every townsman might be seen. With earrings, wreath, or chain, none deigned to feed on broken fare, and none was false or stingy there. A piece of gold, the smallest pay, was earned by labor for a day. On every arm were bracelets worn, and none was faithless or forsworn. A braggart or unkind, none lived upon another's wealth. None pined with dread or broken health, or dark disease of mind. High-souled were all, the slanderous word, the boastful lie, were never heard. Each man was constant to his vows, and lived devoted to his spouse. No other love his fancy knew, and she was tender, kind, and true. Her dames were fair of form and face, with charm of wit and gentle grace, with modest ramian simply neat, and winning manners soft and sweet, the twice-born sages whose delight for scripture's page and holy right. Their common settled course pursued, nor sought the menial multitude. In many a scripture each was versed, and each the flame of worship nurse, and gave with lavish hand each pay to heaven the offerings due, and none was godless or untrue in all that holy band. To Brahmins, as the laws ordained, the warrior caste were ever feigned, the reverence due to pay, and these the Vaisya's peaceful crowd, who trade and toil for gain were proud, to honor and obey, and all were by the Sudra served, who never from their duties vowed. Their proper worship all addressed, to Brahman, spirits, god, and guest, pure and unmixed their rites remind. Their race's honor never was stained, cheered by his grandsons, sons, and wife, each passed a long and happy life. Thus was that famous city held by one who all his race excelled blessed in his gentle reign, as the whole land aforetime swayed, by Manu prince of men obeyed, her king from main to main, and heroes kept her strong and brave, as lions guard their mountain cave, fierce as devouring flame they burned, and fought till death but never turned. Horses had she of noblest breed, like Indra's, for their form and speed. From Wali's hills and Sindhu's sand, Vanayu and Kamboja's land, her noble elephants had strayed, through Indian and Himalayan shade, gigantic in their bulk and height, yet gentle in their matchless might. They rivaled well the world-spread fame of the great stock from which they came, of warm and vast of size, of Mahapatma's glorious line, Tain Aujan and Airavat Tain, upholders of the skies, with those enrolled in fourfold class, who all their mighty kin surpass, whom men Matangas name, and Murgas spotted black and white, and Badras of unwearied might, and Mandras hard to tame. Thus worthy of the name she bore, Ayodhya for a league or more, cast a bright glory round, where Dasarada wise and great, governed his fair ancestral state. With every virtue crowned, like Indra in the skies he reigned, in that good town whose wall contained high domes and terrors proud, with gates and arcs of triumph decked, and sturdy barriers to protect her gay and countless crowd. End of Canto 6 Canto 7 The Ministers Two sages, holy saints, had he, 
his ministers and priests to be, Vasishta faithful to advice, and Vamadeva scripture-wise. Eight other lords around him stood, all skilled to counsel wise and good. Jayanta Vijay Drishti bold, in fight affairs of war control. Siddhartha and Ardhasadak true, watched over expense and revenue. And Dharmapal and wise Ayo, of right and law and justice spoke. With these the sage Sumantra skill, to arrest the car high station filled. All this in knowledge duly trained, each passion and each sense restrained. With modest manners nobly bred, each plan and nod and look they read, upon their neighbors good intent, most active and benevolent. As sit the Vasus round their king, but they sat around him counselling. They never in virtue's loftier pride, another slowly gifts decried. In fair and seemly garb arrayed, no weak uncertain plans they made. Well skilled in business fair and just, they gained the people's love and trust, and thus without oppression stored the swelling treasury of their lord. Bound in sweet friendship each to each, they spoke kind thoughts in gentle speech. They looked alike with equal eye on every caste on low and high. Devoted to their king they sought, ere his tongue spoke to learn his thought, and knew as each occasion rose to bide their counsel or disclose. In foreign land or in their own, whatever passed to them was known. By secret spies they timely knew what men were doing or would do. Skilled in the grounds of war and peace, they saw the monarch's state increase. Watching his wheel with conquering eye, that never let occasion by. While nature lent her aid to bless their labors with unbought success. Never for anger, lust or gain would they their lips with falsehood stain. Inclined to mercy they could scan the weakness and the strength of man. They fairly judged both high and low, and never would wrong a guiltless foe. Yet if a fault were proved, each one would punish even his own dear son. But there and in the kingdom's bound, no thief or man impure was found. None of loose life or evil fame, no temper of another's dame. Contended with their lot each caste, calm days in blissful quiet past and all in fitting tasks employed, country and town deep rest enjoyed. With these wise lords around his throne, the monarch justly reigned, and making every heart his own, the love of all men gained. With trusty agents as beseems, each distant realm he scanned. As the sun visits with his beams each corner of the land, never would he on a mightier foe, with hostile troops advance, nor at an equal strike a blow, in war's delusive chance. These lords in councils bore their part, with ready brain and faithful heart, with skill and knowledge, sense and tact, good to advise and bold to act, and high and endless fame he won, with these to guide his schemes. As risen in his might, the sun wins glory with his beams. End of Canto 7 End of Cantos 3 to 7 of Book 1 Ramayana of Almighty Translated by Ralph T. H. Griffith, M.A. This is a recording by Raju from Burlison, Texas, United States, Ramina 45 at hotmail.com.